the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, here on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Later, we'll be on podcasts everywhere, and you can watch live on Facebook right now. Just look for Talk Law Radio and try and find the logo with uh, Lady Justice and the red, white, and blue logo, Talk Law Radio. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, and new businesses and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, and probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you hear today should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to follow your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners about Christmas and the law today. Help me to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me, talk about the law on the radio. Today we're talking about Christmas and the law. This is the holiday season and it's a strange time to be talking about Christmas and the law, but I'll give you a heads up. There's going to be some court cases. There's going to be some hypothetical situations that we'll talk about. And so you'll want to be listening when those segments come on. And I have a new segment I'll be introducing today called Sinners and Saints, where we'll talk about some notable sinners and we'll talk about some notable saints. And then I'll explain my interpretation of the Bible regarding those topics. You might remember me. You might be a longtime listener. You might be a new listener. So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Again, my name's Todd Marquardt. I'm an attorney licensed here in Texas. I'm also licensed in New Mexico, not old Mexico, New Mexico, because that's where I grew up in a little town next to El Paso, Texas, which we considered to be part of New Mexico because uh, outside of El Paso going east through Texas, there's just not much around there. Uh, So in El Paso is where I would go buy clothes to 
get a bigger variety when I was uh, getting ready for school. So I graduated Alamogordo High School. I went to Texas Tech uh, in Lubbock, Texas for a short period of time. And I finished getting my bachelor's degree at New Mexico State University in Las Cruces, where I got my degree, a Bachelor of Arts degree, uh, with an emphasis in government and law and society with a minor in economics. Then I worked for a period of time with the New Mexico Land Office. Uh, I was a blackjack dealer for the Mescalero uh, Inn of the Mountain Gods Casino. And then I went to law school here in San Antonio at St. Mary's University School of Law. I earned my Juris Doctor degree, and I've been practicing since 2006. I worked for a short time uh, with another estate planning attorney, and then I started my own law firm, and we have two other full-time attorneys besides myself and two part-time attorneys and a support staff that helps us all. I want to talk about something that's a little uncomfortable today. Uh, today I'm remembering my mom. This is going to be the first Christmas I spend without her. Uh, I feel like I've lost something. You might be feeling the same thing uh, because uh, you're estranged from a family member or because you lost someone because they passed away. You know that sinking feeling when you realize that you don't know where your wallet is or where your keys are and you have a really important place to go with little time to look for it? Well, that's the feeling I've been having. Mom was a faithful woman who prayed and studied God's Word. One of our favorite things was talking about history of the Christian church Uh, She would study books about the faith, and we would talk about what what she was learning and and how we felt about that. Mom found pride and joy in her four children, including me, and her nine grandchildren. So let's pray for those who are celebrating Christmas for the first time without a special loved one because of death or estrangement. Dear God, please comfort us when we miss our loved ones who are unable to celebrate Christian Christmas. Fill us with your love and your Holy Spirit so that our time during this holy time is a little less painful. Help us to find some joy this season as we remember your love was so great for us that you provided God with us through Jesus. If you would like to hear more about my mom, she was on the radio show just uh, some time ago. You can search TalkLawRadio.com for episode 64, which was on the air on February 20th, 2021. You can also search uh, your podcast service. Uh, Just look for the episode that was on the air February 20th, 2021. I interviewed mom. We talked about her work history and about how she cared for her mom during her last days. That was my mama, uh, to give encouragement to those caregivers out there. So just want to let you know, this is 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Todd Marquardt. This is Talk Law Radio, and we're talking about Christmas and the law. We're going to be talking about some court cases and some hypothetical situations uh, that could happen around Christmas. Uh, I'm going to call attorney Alex Vollmer and ask him his opinion on something. I'm going to call attorney Ava Louvre and ask her opinion about something. And don't miss it because new today, I'm going to be talking about a new segment called Sinners and Saints. So something funny that I always remember about the Christmas holiday is um, Seinfeld. You ever watch that show, Seinfeld? It's one of the longest-running 
syndicated sitcoms and TV history um, starring comedian Jerry Seinfeld, in which he plays a comedian. <laughs> uh, they they laughed about the show, saying it was a show about nothing. But the, the funny thing to me is that they invented a holiday called Festivus. And so I asked uh, Google what the definition of Festivus was, and it's defined as a secular holiday celebrated on December 23rd as an, alter- as an alternative to the pressures and commercialism of the Christmas season. What does Festivus mean? Well, Dictionary.com says Festivus is the name of a secular and non-commercial holiday characterized by the raising of an aluminum pole, the serving of a dinner, the airing of grievances, and the demonstration of feats of strength. You might remember that uh, Jerry's friend um, had to wrestle his father on that first on that festivus that they uh, that they aired. So, funny enough, there there this festivus holiday did come about in real life. Um, the holiday is based on a real tradition celebrated by the family of one of the writers of the show, according to a 2004 article in the New York Times. Daniel O'Keefe's father, Dan, uh, dated the holiday back to 1966, and that's when Dan met his wife. So this is Talk Law Radio. We're talking about Christmas, the the Christian tradition, and we're going to be talking about a new segment called Sinners and Saints, so you'll want to stick around for that. We'll be talking about some court cases involving Christmas. You may already know where I'm going with that, but I thought it would be fun to revisit the First Amendment and the Establishment Clause. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Christmas and the law. Stay tuned. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 930 AM The Answer. We're starting a new segment today. Okay, so you might remember that song from Meredith Brooks recorded back in 1997. I like to call it the Meredith Brooks Lutheran Saint and Sinner song. So there's a new segment today called Sinners and Saints because I was I was thinking I agree with Martin Luther, the one who wrote the 95 thesis in year 1517 that each one of us is both a sinner and a saint. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that We inherited sin from Adam and Eve. That's like a genetic trait that's passed down generation to generation. All people inherited sin from Adam and Eve, specifically from Adam. Sin is described in the Bible as transgression of the law of God. Uh, That comes from 1 John 3, verse 4. Genesis 3 describes Adam and Eve's rebellion against God and his command. Because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin has been an inheritance for all of their descendants. And Romans chapter 5 verse 12 tells us that through Adam, sin entered the world. 
So that comes from um, a writing by Pastor Stephen J. Cole. He was a pastor of Flagstaff Christian Fellowship from May 1992 through December 2018. An example from uh, the Bible was when Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verses 15, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. And uh, Michael Morrison, a professor at Grace Communion Seminary, paraphrased it this way, as, as trying to interpret what Paul had said. He's, he's interpreting Paul's uh, verse just quoted, If I sin even though I don't want to sin, I am implying that the law is good, because the fact that Paul doesn't like his own behavior is evidence that he does agree with what the law says he shouldn't be doing. Paul continues in verse 17, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. I think Paul knows he goes against what God wants. Paul knows the difference between what is right and what is wrong. He isn't ignorant. So Michael Morrison uh, received his Ph.D. from Fuller Theological Seminary in 2006. He's the dean of uh, faculty and professor of New Testament at Grace Communion Seminary. So in this uh, Sinners and Saints segment, I'll talk about people in the news who have been sentenced by courts and jury trials to some penalty like probation or jail time. But all is not lost. Like I said, people are both sinners and saints. Even Paul, from way back then, who wrote a bunch of books of the Bible, who said that he was doing what God did not want, was also writing the Bible, which should make him a saint, right? So a lot of us that make mistakes do some good things, too. Even if we do sin, we can be redeemed and justified as righteous through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes us saints. Most people will agree that the term saint describes someone who does good, If you Google define saint, we find it defined as a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous and typically regarded as being in heaven after death. In the Catholic or Orthodox churches, a saint is a person formally recognized or canonized by the church after death who may be the object of veneration and prayers for intercession. Another definition says a saint is a very virtuous, kind, or patient person. So Jesus said, and and is quoted in John chapter 16, verse 27, For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved Jesus Christ, and have believed that Jesus Christ came from God. And in Galatians chapter 2, 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Galatians 3, chapter 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So there's a lot of Bible verses that go over this, and I'll be talking about it again each week, finding someone who was sentenced to jail time or for probation, and we'll talk about someone else who did something really good. Today I want to tell you about Doug Jensen, who in September 2022 was found guilty of 
five felony offenses for his conduct at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Some people think that what he did was okay, that it was good, um, but I'll, but what I was thinking is that um, Jesus never stormed the Capitol. He never went um, to the Romans and to the Caesar and and tried to overthrow the government. So that's food for thought. I'd like to uh, call down to the law firm and, and get Alex Vollmer on the line. Uh, he's one of our estate planning attorneys and probate attorneys, um, but he, he did have some uh, experience with uh, criminal defense work some time ago. Uh, I want to ask him a question. Mark, can we get him on the line? Alex, are you are you there? I'm here. Oh, great! Thank you for joining us here live on the radio and on Facebook Live. I got a question for you about whether it's against the law for someone to enter our homes at night, leave wrapped packages, eat our cookies before going to the next house. Well, I guess that depends on who we're talking about. Um, Santa might get a pass. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, I think what it comes down to is you're talking about the possibility of a burglary or a criminal trespass or neither of those. For it to be a burglary, there needs to be essentially a trespass plus the intent or actually committing another crime. Um, you know, it gets more complicated than that. Like taking not- stuff. Yeah, like taking stuff or committing an assault or something like that. Oh, but, okay. Um, I guess you could say, you know, you're eating someone else's cookies and milk. But it requires that the person well, – but so I, what I really think we're talking about is trespass, criminal trespass. And that's when someone enters into – let's just assume that these are residences, enters into a residence, and they have noticed that that entry is forbidden. And notice is the – you know, existence essentially of an enclosure, obviously designed to exclude intruders. So let's call that your house. Like a door. on the doors <laughs> yeah, and, and locked doors. And so, you know, if you are, you know, entering into someone's house um, and it's not locked, uh, it's debatable about whether or not, you know, that's open to the public. Um and so either entering when notice is forbidden or failing to depart when you have previously been allowed in but then told to leave. Um, and so, you know, but with Santa, Santa's got another way in. So unless you're putting, you know, locks on your, your chimney, um, mm-hmm. you know, he might not have to circumvent any of that. So mm-hmm. I think as long as Santa's staying away from lock picks and breaking windows. Um, and what know, about not, the... Uh... The note with the milk and cookies, Dear Santa, we always left a note that said, Enjoy these cookies. Merry Christmas. Yeah, and I think that that would be, you know, a circumstance that says, um, yeah, entry is allowed by him. So, uh, you know, you have to look at all of the all of the factors, you know, in the, in the, the, the criminal defense of prosecution word, world, the magic phrase is the totality of the circumstances. And, um, well, thank you, you so know, much for taking my call today. Thank you for having me on. Okay. So if you want to talk to somebody about uh, estate planning, probate, and gun trusts or NFA trusts, um, that, those are things that attorney Alex Vollmer does. That's what he really focuses on today. I just thought it would be fun to talk to him about uh, the criminal defense of Santa <laughs> if Santa were prosecuted for uh, breaking and entering into a home or trespass at the home. So there's a lot of circumstances that go into that. We were talking about uh, sinners and saints before. Let me go back to that. Um, going back to Doug Jensen. Uh, the, the reason I brought him up now uh, is because last week he was sentenced to 60 months in prison, 36 months supervised release, and paid $2,000 in rest, restitution. And 
So whether you think it's right or wrong, I'm not here to debate that. I'm just here to give it to you straight uh, that the the court uh, considers him to be a sinner because he uh, they say he violated the law. Uh, so some of the things that they convicted him of doing, uh, assaulting, resisting, or impeding a law enforcement officer, obstruction of an official proceeding, interfering with a law enforcement officer during a civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a dangerous weapon, which was a knife with a three-inch blade, and disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds with a dangerous weapon. So he's our uh, the center that we're talking about today, and I have to take a break, but when we come back, I'll tell you about one of the saints. Stay tuned. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer on podcasts everywhere, on YouTube, on Facebook Live, and on www.talklawradio.com. You can find old episodes and new episodes by listening to 9:30 a.m. The Answer when I'm live on Saturdays at 11 o'clock in the morning. We've been talking about Christmas and the law today. Just got off the phone with attorney Alex Vollmer, who usually focuses on estate planning, probate, and gun trusts, especially regulated NFA items that need a gun trust. And he was answering the question about would Santa Claus be prosecuted for trespass or burglary? Now we're going to go to a call with attorney Ava Louvre. She's going to talk to us about the court case involved in the miracle on 34th Street. Ava, are you on the phone? Yes, I'm here. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So we're talking about Christmas and the law, and it made me remember the Santa Claus trial in the movie Miracle on 34th Street. Can you give us a, a rundown, a synopsis of what that case was all about? Well, the big question was whether Mr. Kringle, who was the um, department store, Cole's department store Santa, whether Mr. Kringle was Santa. It kind of started um, with them questioning his mental capacity um, because he did you know, tell the world that he was Santa Claus and they it really turned up started as like a guardianship proceeding. And then um, the district attorney actually kind of led the court to the question of whether Santa is actually real just in general. And so that's really what the case was about. Okay. So these are these touch on maybe a real legal issue if if somebody was mentally incapacitated. Um, but the the question of whether Santa Claus exists would not really be a, a real question in a real courtroom, right? Right. Uh, absolutely not. I, I, and they even touched on that towards the end uh, when the judge kind of gave his ruling. Um, Susan, the, the the main character, the main child in the movie, gave the judge a one dollar bill. And in that $1 bill, it said, in God we trust. This is our, you know, as it still says on our dollar bills today. Mm-hmm. And the judge said that, you know, whether or not God exists or Santa exists, that is not for the court to decide, but the fact that the court put trust in God without requiring there to be proof of the existence of God, that was allowing him as a judge um, to say, you know, I can't, I can't not say that Santa exists. So I'm going to believe that Chris Kringle is Santa Claus. Wow, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to share that with us today on the air. Um, thank you so much for the call. 
You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. Okay, so that was really interesting. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, so I was asking around the office who would be an expert that I could call to talk about Miracle on 34th Street, and uh, Ava said that that she could. She's familiar with the, the movie because she has a young son who probably watched it recently. And uh, I just didn't remember that ruling there. And I think it's just wonderful that uh, the the message that was sent there, that um, the court didn't have to decide whether God exists for us to put trust in him. That's just awesome. Okay, well, there's some other um, interactions where Christmas uh, comes in contact with the law. And uh, you might remember back in the 80s, there were some court cases uh, that went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court to decide whether uh, government buildings could have a nativity scene in front of them. And so there, what, what these court cases talk about is uh, the constitutionality of a seasonal holiday display that usually includes a manger scene, which is the nativity scene, or creche on government property. Now, I didn't know what that word meant, creche, so I had to look it up, and it just means the same thing as a nativity scene, so I'm not going to use that word uh, because I think it's archaic. Um, And there were various government offices across the country that that used the the nativity scene to celebrate Christmas. So let's talk about the case of uh, Donnelly. It, Daniel Donnelly was the plaintiff, and um, this happened in Rhode Island, the city of Pawtucket. And what happened was uh, the city of Pawtucket erected a Christmas display located in the city's shopping district. The display included objects such as a Santa Claus house, a Christmas tree, a banner reading season's greetings, and a nativity scene. And that that had been going on for 40 years before uh, Donnelly brought this lawsuit. So the issue is, did the inclusion of a nativity scene in the city's display violate the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment? So you're probably wondering, what is the Establishment Clause? So I'll tell you. The Establishment Clause is the clause in the First Amendment of the Constitution that prohibits the establishment of religion by Congress. Okay, so let me go back in my notes here to tell you who won. In a 5-4 to four decision, the court held that Notwithstanding the religious significance of the creche, the city had not violated the Establishment Clause. Well, I said I wasn't going to use that word again, but I did. It's the nativity scene. Why did the the court find that even though there was a nativity scene, it wasn't deemed to be establishment of religion? Well, they said the court found the display viewed in the context of the holiday season was not a purposeful effort to advocate a particular religious message. The court found that the display merely depicted the historical origins of the holiday and had legitimate secular purposes. The court held that the symbols posed no danger of establishing a state church and that it was far too late in the day to impose of the reading of the Establishment Clause in that way. Because it wasn't just the uh, nativity scene with the manger, it was other things, too, that had secular purpose, like Santa Claus in the house. So it, it was not impermissibly advancing religion, It didn't create an excessive entanglement between religion and government. They said the display was sponsored by the city to celebrate the holiday, recognized by Congress, 
and a national tradition and to depict the origins of that holiday. Those were secular purposes. Whatever benefit to one faith or religion or to all religions inclusion of the nativity scene in the display effect is indirect, remote, and incidental, and is no more an advancement or endorsement of religion than the congressional and executive recognition of the origins of Christmas, or the exhibition of religious paintings in governmentally supported museums. The court said it was unable to discern a greater aid to religion from the inclusion of the nativity scene than from the substantial benefits previously held not to violate the Establishment Clause. As to administrative entanglement, there was no evidence of contact with church authorities concerning the content or design of the exhibition prior to or since the city's purchase of the nativity scene. No expenditures for maintenance of it have been necessary, and since the city owns it now, which it was valued at $200, the tangible material it contributes was de minimis, which means not very much. Political divisiveness alone cannot serve to invalidate otherwise permissible conduct, and in any event, apart from the instant litigation, there was no evidence of political friction or divisiveness over the nativity scene in the 40-year history of the city's Christmas celebration. So there you have it. That's why the Supreme Court ruled that a city could have a nativity scene in its front yard. So if you're just now joining us, we're talking about Christmas and the law and the Supreme Court case, which was interpreting the First Amendment to the Constitution to decide whether a nativity scene in in front of a governmental building is the establishment of religion, quote, unquote. So we're going to be talking about other court cases after we take a break. We'll talk about uh, year-end giving and some tips in taking care of older people. Um, Remembering my mom today, This is the first Christmas I'm having to spend without her. Uh, I have to take a break, so stay tuned. Have you been wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer. You can also listen on podcasts, on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on TalkLawRadio.com. Do me a favor and go to YouTube and find the Talk Law Radio channel and click the subscribe button. Then look for a little bell and click that. That way you'll be notified every time a new video is posted. And the great thing about YouTube is that this show is broken up into four segments and you can watch each segment a little bit at a time instead of all at once. So today we're talking about Christmas and the law. And what's interesting to me during the holiday season is that the law still continues. We started with one rule in the Garden of Eden when God said, don't eat of the fruit of that tree. And then we had Ten Commandments with Moses. And now we have a municipal uh, city hall, state legislature, and national congress that don't stop making laws. They go every year to make more and more laws. And so... Even Christmas is affected. We just got through talking about a Supreme Court case in which the court held that it did not violate the First Amendment Establishment Clause 
for uh, city government to have a nativity scene in front of the, the government building during the holiday season. If you're just now joining us, uh, you might be interested to learn about a new segment we're putting together called Sinners and Saints. I believe, just like Martin Luther did, that in each one of us is a sinner and a saint that we can't get away from. Um, Adam made us sinners when he ate of the fruit of that tree, and uh, what that reminds me of is uh, I wanted to ask, think about what Adam might have said on the day before Christmas to his wife. You got it. He said, Merry Christmas, Eve. (laughs) Okay. I kill. Okay, here we go. Um, I wanted to go back to the Sinner and Saint segment. Uh, I let you know who the sinner was in that segment, um, but I also wanted to talk about the saints. And I was looking for somebody that may have uh, contributed to charity, and I learned that the most generous states and cities in America, based on the number of donations per capita on GoFundMe, were Marietta, Georgia, Spring, Texas, Silver Springs, Maryland, Sarasota, Florida, Brandonton, Florida, and Olympia, Washington. So congratulations to the people in those cities who give during the holiday season. We sometimes remember to give at the end of the year uh, because charitable donations uh, and the deduction thereof of our personal federal income tax returns used to be more important. Uh, Now we have a very high standard deduction, and so not as many people are itemizing their deductions. You can still give to charity if you want to, uh, but most of us in the middle class probably won't be claiming it as a deduction on our tax return. Now, if you you have enough itemized deductions to go above the standardized deduction, then you probably are uh, listing charitable deductions on your federal income tax return. Okay, so let's go back to sinners and saints. Who was the saint this week? Well, Ken's Five reported, going the extra mile for people in need is a practice that the Bible preaches, but one pastor took that idea to the, ex- to the extreme and ran with it. In a faith-filled effort to provide South San Antonio families with holiday meals, gifts, and a facility for consistent community outreach, Refuge Church pastor David Cameron ran seven complete marathons in one week. That's a lot of running. A friend of mine I was having lunch with today, he said on on his nephew's birthday, his nephew wanted to run 18 miles because it was his 18th birthday. And I said, well, that's a good way to make sure nobody attends your birthday party is to tell them you're going to be running 18 miles. I wouldn't want to do that. So that's our saint for the week, uh, Pastor David Cameron with uh, Refuge Church. Uh, Congratulations. Okay, so back to uh, Christmas and the law. I wanted to give some year-end tips, tips to talking about your estate plan during the holidays. So sometimes this is when you see your family members that you don't get to see all the time, and it's a good idea to take the opportunity to talk about estate planning with your loved ones. You can say, hey, I just got my estate plan done. I just met with the attorney last week. I now have a will. I now have a trust, whatever it includes. And then use that opportunity to encourage your loved ones to get their affairs in order. However young or old they may be, you might just say, I think this is important. Maybe you should go out and do this too. According to Caring.com, 
A survey from 2017 said that as many as 6 in 10 Americans don't have an estate planning document put together, like a will or a trust. So it's vital that families discuss estate planning well in advance of an emergency or life tragedy. One year, I had two people call me that year. One said, uh, my husband fell off the roof. He needs a power of attorney. He can't make any decisions. I said, he has to sign it. She said, he can't sign it. He fell off the roof and hit his head. He's unconscious. I said, I told her, your husband would have had to sign the power of attorney before falling off the roof. So it's something you have to do while you're healthy as a preventative measure. Uh, do the type of thing in advance. So you might choose an environment that's comfortable, calm, and private state planning. You might be talking about who you love and who you trust and what assets you have, how much money you have in the bank. All of those things are very sensitive subjects. Some people don't like to talk about who they trust or they don't want to say who they love or they don't want to, certainly don't want to tell you how much money they have in the bank. So if you're an adult child asking your parents about whether they have estate planning in place, you might mention, hey, I just heard about this on the radio or I just met with my attorney. I'm just wondering if you've done something. You don't have to tell me who gets what. Um, I just need to know that you've done something. And maybe ask them, where do you keep it? Um, is there anything you want me to know about how to wrap up your affairs and get your your things in order if when you pass away? But it's not just after death that this becomes important. It's during disability and incapacity because that's when you need to have somebody with permission who can write your checks, pay your bills, and collect your money and take care of you at the doctor's office or at the hospital and to get information that is usually uh, protected by the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Another thing that comes to mind when we are talking about the holiday is how do we celebrate Christmas with somebody who's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia? Celebrations, special events, or holidays, which may include other people, can cause confusion and anxiety for a person with Alzheimer's. So I'm, I got my research here from the National Institute for Health, and there were some tips that they suggested in finding ways to help a loved one that happens to have Alzheimer's or dementia uh, get through the holidays. So just being aware that things are going to be a little bit different is probably something to acknowledge and to talk about with your other family members. If you're going to go visit your sister or your brother, uh, you might want to talk about it with them, let them know, give them a heads up that uh, mom or dad um, may not behave like they used to. And it's a good thing for them to talk to their kids about, your nieces and nephews, no matter how young or old they may be, just letting them know that grandma or grandpa might seem a little bit different so that they're not surprised. Some other things you can do is um, choosing decorations that aren't really over the top, just some simple things that uh, may not overwhelm the person with Alzheimer's or de dementia. You might prepare some quiet distractions uh, to to break up the party so that there's not so much uh, stimulation going on all at the same time. Uh, maybe after dinner you can take a walk, a, a, even a short walk, just to get away from the noise and the hustle and bustle. Stay away from noise, loud conversations, loud music, lighting that is too bright or too dark, and having too much rich food or drink, especially alcohol. So just some good tips on how to care for 
your loved ones during holiday parties. Um, you want to be super aware that maybe they're lost. Maybe they don't know where they are. You don't want them just to walk out the front door. And you probably need to be ready to leave if things get a little too chaotic. So during the fourth segment, we always talk about legacy. You know what that means. And now it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So I'm remembering my mom. I told you about that a couple of times today. Uh, She passed away last year um, during the the Christmas season. It it was not easy. Um, But I was with her on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and uh, I miss her. And you might be missing someone, too, someone special that you love in your life, either because of estrangement or because they passed away. And if that's the case, I, I pray for you, and I hope you pray for me that God will grant us some comfort, some measure of joy this season, uh, even as we mourn the loss of a loved one. Now, what I remember about Mom is that she always put the Christmas tree up the day after Thanksgiving, and we always took it down the day after Christmas. And it was a special time. It was like a ceremony decorating the Christmas tree. We always used Hallmark ornaments because her mom, my mamma, uh, was the manager there at one time. So I have to sign off today, and I'll talk to you later. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.